Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Alternative Food Network's podcast series, Plant-Based Diet. I'm Esther Garfin, the founder of Alternative Food Network and host of this series. And today's episode is about what you can realistically expect from an indoor vegetable and herb garden. If you're interested in planting an outdoor vegetable garden, we also have an episode about that in this series. So please check it out. But outdoor gardening isn't always possible for various reasons, such as lack of appropriate outdoor space or climate conditions. So for those considering indoor growing just for fun or as a way to increase the variety of what you eat as part of your plant-forward diet, I'm chatting today with horticulturist Paul Zamet about realistic expectations that one should have for an indoor garden, plus some growing tips. Paul Zamet is a professor of horticulture at Niagara College. Prior to joining the faculty, Paul held the position of Director of Horticulture at the Toronto Botanical Garden. He is a passionate and energetic gardener and lover of nature who has been delivering presentations across the world for over 25 years. Welcome to the show, Paul. So nice to have you again. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm excited to be back. And today we're going to be speaking about indoor gardening. Uh, What advice do you have for someone who wants to start an indoor vegetable or herb garden? Um, I don't want to discourage them. So I think that's great. Uh, And especially as we see our living spaces becoming smaller and people, not everyone having access to outdoor spaces, those that are interested in growing things inside, I think is really fantastic. And we've seen a boom in the popularity of house plants and growing more plants inside. So that I think is absolutely amazing. But I also think we need a little bit of a reality check and kind of a step back and And when we're thinking about growing things inside, be very realistic as to what one needs and the time commitments that go towards something like that. It's not like having a cactus, which we water very infrequently and kind of they do their own thing. When we're looking at edibles, there's a much shorter production time and kind of more time commitment. So number one, think about your time commitment. Think about the space that's required. Uh, light is, becomes very, very important in terms of that. Uh, are you getting natural light or are you going to be supplementing? And so that's where using artificial light is required. So often requires a lighting unit and you need to be able to use electrical sources. So how close can you draw electricity from? Think about watering these indoor items and what is your source of water and how are you going to capture that water? Um, these all become very, very important factors and realize the more and more you tend to grow material inside, you start to elevate things like humidity. And that is another factor that does need to be kept in mind is, are you okay with a humid environment inside? Um, But what I will say is there's nothing more enjoyable than, you know, cutting some of those sprouts in the middle of January, uh, Mm -hmm. depending on where you live. And, you know, it's it's wintry outside, perhaps, and eating something fresh that you have grown. And and what direction should these indoor vegetables or herbs be facing? 
Well, the, the greatest area of light that you get is south and west exposures. But if you do go to the point of using artificial lighting units, I mean, that can be anywhere. You don't even need uh, a windowsill. You can grow that in a room with, that doesn't have natural light. Um, but then that requires a much longer lighting period, uh, anywhere between 12 to 16 hours, depending on the light source that you are using. So if you are going to rely on Mother Nature and to supply the light, I'd look for south exposures or west exposures. Otherwise, you then rely heavily on artificial lighting. What types of growing lights are there that you might recommend? And so this becomes important to think about what you're actually growing and also be aware of how much technology has changed. I remember the time where, you know, to grow plants on a plant stand inside it was recommended just to use like a cool uh, white fluorescent and a warm white and you covered the entire plant spectrum. We've come a long way and using LED lights now is very important because not only do they save energy, but they deliver the wavelength. So do your homework in terms of your lighting sources. And even now in some of the box stores, they are selling plant lights with full spectrum. But we've come a long way from the traditional fluorescents, which aren't as energy efficient, um, to LED lights, which are far more efficient and deliver the spectrum. And many of them can even be in just little pod uh, forms as well. So again, do your homework in that case. Good advice. And for those uh, who are into a bit more tech, can you explain hydroponics and smart gardens? Yes. So hydroponics is, is a fascinating system that kind of defies. I remember when I first started to learn about it, uh, it, it kind of like, what do you mean you're not growing plants in, in a medium? And so what hydroponic systems do is they grow plant material on films of water or with running water. And the plants are supported by a media, whether it be perlite or even just in like a cube of something called rock will. And the plants will root out of that into a chamber that is watertight. And that's very, very important. And there's a constant stream of water that runs over the roots. Now it's not just any water. In that water are all of the nutrients and I emphasize that all of the nutrients the plant needs to survive, you need to make sure that they're in that solution. So the best way to think about it is, um, imagine you're mixing up a water-soluble fertilizer that you water your plants with. That's what you're doing is you're making a batch of solution that is used to constantly keep the plants in hydroponics going, keeping them water to keep them growing. Now, in that case, too, light is a very, very critical factor and it's amazing in a hydroponic system how many plants you can grow in a very tight space i did it many years ago on a windowsill it was a south facing windowsill and in a, on a very small footprint of space i had five rows of lettuce one on top of the other because there was good light and 10 plants per row and they were literally just growing within tubes and the water would be pumped up to the top and then you use gravity for it to come down to the bottom if you are going to do hydroponics inside, very, very critical. Ensure that your system is waterproof and maybe consider a bit of plastic surfacing underneath the reservoir just in case for any leaks. It's amazing how water can find its way. And then these smart systems, kind of as their name implies, they do it all. They water the plants as they're needed. They turn on the lights as they're needed. They house all the material. They'll even mist and spray. So they become these almost self-contained 
little farms that you can use. And it's really neat because many of them can be fairly compact, Esther, and you'll be surprised what you're growing in a very small space. So they are a technology that does require some investment and... Yeah, it's expensive. You're not going to offset your grocery bill. You might be surprised how much that head of lettuce actually ends up costing you. But I think we also have to put a value on the joy of growing things and the excitement and the anticipation and the therapeutic effects of growing plant material. And I think that has a value in itself. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No So, while it has its limitations, there are also benefits. And if someone is going to do this inside, what are the best vegetable and herb varieties to grow indoors, in your opinion? So depending on the space, I know some people who've grown tomatoes inside. So once again, you need to do your homework, select tomatoes that are very, very small or dwarf, and you need to compensate, you know, do the activity of bees when they flower, you can tap them. Um, so I would say that would be for someone who's a bit more ambitious. But certainly if, if one was going to start, I would start with things like some some herbs, basil, parsley, thyme, things like cilantro that have a very quick production time. I mentioned earlier lettuce is, is, is quite easy to do and things like the arugula and the spinach can be done fairly quickly inside. Those would be ones that I would recommend as a starting point. And you do need to make sure that, you know, the tomato that you're doing on a hydroponic system is not necessarily the same tomato that you're doing growing in the garden because you wouldn't want to grow sweet 100 cherry tomato that can get seven feet in the garden inside on a hydroponic system. <laughs> okay. For the, for the homeowner, for the homeowner. Now, commercially, yeah. that's a very different story. What I'd also say is, you know, when we're doing this and, and, and growing things inside, um, don't limit it necessarily to just edibles. There, there's lots of other options that you can do. A lot of wonderful house plants that do very well, whether it be in a hydroponic system or uh, under these smart units. And, you know, just explore options so that you're not focused just specifically on the edibles. Um, and I, I would also, you know, Consider, if you've got, say, an outdoor balcony, try some indoor, but also try stuff in containers outside uh, and just see the difference in terms of how things, how things are able to grow. Well, that's, that's very good advice. And you were mentioning plants that are, are not edibles. And I, I, I do have a question, while it doesn't pertain to fruits, vegetables, or herbs, uh, I have a question about plants that are good to clean the surrounding air. Yes. And that, you know, which also gets me excited because people are realizing that the air we breathe 
um, is as a result of plants, um, whether they be plants in the ocean or trees, etc., outdoors. So I want everyone to take a deep breath right now and thank the plants around them. Um, <laughs> so there's been all sorts of studies. Um, you know, the, there's the NASA top 10 plants, which includes things like chlorophytum, peace lilies, dracaenas, that are said to be some of the pet best air purifiers. What I think people also need to realize is that all plants are able to help to do some purification. So yes, while some show to have better results, even things like chrysanthemums, azaleas, and Gerber daisies, let us remember, it's a, I think it's very important to have plant material inside just as a produ for producing oxygen and helping to clean the air. Um, so there is a list of some of the top ones, and I've mentioned them. But I, I think that does we should not dismiss the other plants because they are also playing a very important role. And if you have pets, any, any plants that clean the air that are air purifiers that you shouldn't have because of pets? Certainly. And, 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 you know, cats particularly like to get into things. So mm -hmm. to avoid things like, um, Amaryllis or Diefenbachias, those are real no-nos uh, in and around cats. They they can be quite toxic to them. So really do your homework in terms of, of checking that. And there are all sorts of lists um, for plants to avoid with things like cats and even, even small children, uh, just being cautious that way. Uh, I think that's important. What I often find though is then all of a sudden people think, oh, there's plants that are poisonous, so I'm not going to have any plants. And that, that to me is the wrong attitude, just like outside. There are many poisonous plants that grow around us every day, um, you know, but just don't eat them or it's the quantity that you're eating them. And so we just need to be very, very aware, not fear them. Well, thank you so much. This has uh, also been an informative one. I really appreciate the information. Hope our listeners learn something about indoor growing. And uh, again, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for the opportunity. To all of you listening, I hope you found this podcast helpful. If you want to hear Paul talk about outdoor vegetable gardening, he joined us for another episode in this plant-based diet series to discuss outdoor gardening, so please check it out. As always, we'd love it if you can leave a rating wherever you're listening to the podcast. If you want to receive our monthly newsletter with recipe and discount codes, just go to our website at alternativefoodnetwork.com and subscribe there. We're also on social media at Alternative Food Network. Lastly, if you're looking for trusted, incredible information about food as medicine, we have a series called Doctors Plus, that's doctors with a little plus sign, where we interview medical doctors about food as medicine topics. I invite you to check that one out as well. Until next time, thanks again for listening. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.